I asked Patty whenever she was leaving how much those shoes cost. One pair of shoes cost $15. So I wrote on my Connect card, Swan family in for six shoes, $90. And I looked at Joe and said, pay it. <laughs> I do that a lot to him. You know, hey, I, I committed this, pay, pay that. He, he, he goes along real well. Well, good morning, church. My name is Terry Swan. I'm the senior pastor here. I am delighted to be with you this morning to preach God's word. I love to be in this setting, and, and so I get to do that every once in a while. Tim's doing some music over on the traditional side this morning, and so delighted to preach God's word in here. We're at annual conference this next week. And um, so we'll leave the pastors and some of the laity key leaders in the laity will leave uh, later on in the week to be at annual conferences. This is where all of the United Methodist churches in Missouri gather together. In fact, the pastor's membership of the church is in annual conference. I'm not actually a member of Salem because I am equipped to be sent out into uh, the state of Missouri uh, as a pastor anywhere I could be sent at any time and I'm happy to tell you that the pastors have been outside of Pastor Sheila who's moving to North Park uh, United Methodist Church the the rest of the pastors have re been reappointed here for Salem for the next year and so I will be with you for one more year I'm delighted about that and um, <laughs> love this church love this church we're uh, at annual conference. We're talking about being freed to lead, and so we thought we would just pick that conversation up here at Salem. And for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about what it means to be a Christian leader. Now, then, when I mention the word leader, what images kind of dance through your mind? Maybe there's someone who's embodied leadership to you that you've had the experience of and privilege of being with, or maybe it's some world leader in the past that you automatically kind of turn to and think of. Maybe it's Abraham Lincoln or Winston Churchill, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Queen Victoria. I loved watching that Victoria season or on PBS and watched how she led at such a young age. A football coach a Boy Scout leader, a college professor, maybe someone that you can think of has embodied that leadership to you. And there are leaders that inspire for the good and there are leaders that do not. We can think of those in history as well. Yet there's one common denominator in every leader and that is followers, right? If you're not if you don't have anyone following, then that means probably you're not leading. In fact, Will Rogers once said, if you're riding ahead of the herd, take a look back every now and then to make sure it's still there. <laughs> well, leadership takes risks. You have to step out in risk to be a leader. Uh, Pastor Katrina sent me a video this week, and I want to share it with you because this guy is taking some risks. So ladies and gentlemen, at TED, we talk a lot about leadership and how to make a movement. So let's watch a movement happen, start to finish, in under three minutes and dissect some lessons from it. First, of course you know, a leader needs the guts to stand out and be ridiculed. <laughs> 
But what he's doing is so easy to follow. So here's his first follower with a crucial role. He's going to show everyone else how to follow. Now notice that the leader embraces him as an equal. So now it's not about the leader anymore, it's about them, plural. Now there he is calling to his friends. Now if you notice that the first follower is actually an underestimated form of leadership in itself. It takes guts to stand out like that. The first follower is what transforms a lone nut into a leader. <laughs> And here comes a second follower. Now it's not a lone nut, it's not two nuts. Three is a crowd, and a crowd is news. So a movement must be public. It's important to show not just the leader, but the followers, because you find that new followers emulate the followers, not the leader. Now here come two more people, and immediately after, three more people. Now we've got momentum. This is the tipping point. Now we've got a movement. <laughs> so. Notice that as more people join in, it's less risky. So those that were sitting on the fence before now have no reason not to. They won't stand out, they won't be ridiculed, but they will be part of the in-crowd if they hurry. So, <laughs> over the next minute, you'll see all of the, uh, those that prefer to stick with the crowd, because eventually they would be ridiculed for not joining in. And that's how you make a movement. But, let's recap some lessons from this. So. right? That's leadership, someone who's willing to step out and take some risks. So what if leading is more about connecting instead of controlling? Influence instead of power? Direction instead of dictating? Jesus certainly taught us that leadership changes the world, right? He led and he changed the world, but what does it take to lead in today's culture? What does it mean to be a Christian and lead in today's society? It's risky, right? So many people have walked away from the church because they've been disillusioned with what the church can do or is. It's a new ball game. And for those of us who have been in church all of our lives, we are in unchartered territory. Now, when I was growing up in the church, it was common to go to, go to church. I mean, go, when I was growing up, it was you moved into a new place, you found a new school, you found a new doctor, a new dentist, and you found a church. That's not society today. Society's different. No longer can we say, if we build it, they will come. No longer can we say, if we open our doors, new people will enter. No, we have to go to the people, right? That's why our worship out in the park was so important. We were moving out into the community to show people who we were as a church, welcoming, loving. Ted Balsinger has written a book that I am currently reading entitled Canoeing the Mountains. Um, and so far, I can give you a thumbs up on the book. I've really enjoyed reading it. And he begins with American Midwest explorers, Lewis and Clark. Lewis and Clark uh, talk about their exploration and how it had to shift and change. In fact, here is a note to Captain Meriwether Lewis from Thomas Jefferson. The object of your mission is to explore the Missouri River and such principal stream of it as by its course and communication with the waters of the Pacific Ocean. 
may offer the most direct and practical water communication across the continent for the purpose of commerce. In other words, the goal was to find a water route for trade. Now, that's not what they found, was it? In fact, the book talks about how Lewis and Clark had gotten to the, the source of the Missouri River. They expected to cross over a few small mountains because the Indians had said, you're going to have to cross some mountains. They thought they were going to have to cross over some small mountains with their canoes in hand, and then they would find the Columbia River, and it would take them downstream to the Pacific. And that's not what they found, of course. They found the Rocky Mountains. So at that, at that point, they had to make a decision, adapt or quit. Everything they had been trained for, they were river navigators. Everything that they were trained for would not get them across the Rocky Mountains. So they had to adapt their leadership they had to learn, they had to be transformed, they had to let their canoes go, and they had to put on their mountain gear. We're in that today, church. We gotta let our canoes go, and we gotta put on our mountain gear. We gotta climb some mountains to reach God's people. The mission was still the same for Lewis and Clark, and it's the same for us, the mission is still the same. But how they would get there, how they would get there, needed to be adapted. The core principles, core principles that shaped their leadership made them decide to continue the journey and the core principles of leadership will help us to continue the journey, amen? Amen. I believe the prophet Micah gives us the perfect formula for leading in uncharted territory for today's culture. Micah 6 says this, he has told you human one, what is good and what the Lord requires from you to do justice, embrace faithful love, and walk humbly with your God. Let's pray. Gracious God, we come before you and we ask that you let this word just sink into our hearts. May the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. May I serve you, oh God, in every way you've called me to. And may you touch the hearts and minds of this community of faith that, that you would send them in your word out in the ways that you call. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. To do justice, embrace faithful love, and walk humbly with your God. Do, love, walk. Core principles of leadership. Do, love, walk. Notice they're all action words. They're all verbs and imperative verbs at that. They're verbs that inevitably ask the questions of how and who. What are you doing? How and who are you loving? And how and whom are you walking with? Do justice. What is justice, anyway? How do you do justice? Well, Benjamin Disraeli said, justice is truth in action. Leading takes action. Leading takes risk. Spiritual leadership is servant 
leadership, being able to step in and serve where God has called you to serve, to step back. For Christians today in in a post-Christian society, transformation is at the center of all that we do. We're transformed by the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. We're equipped, and then we're sent out into God's world. We have some big mountains to climb, and we may have to put those canoes away and grab our climbing gear, but we're sent. Justice is about action. It's about action, doing the right thing, even though it may be difficult. Justice is about standing in the gap with people who are in need. And there's all kinds of needs in the world, right? in need of education, in need of love, in need of sustenance, in need of safety. There's all kinds of needs in the world, and so to do justice means that we step into that in the way that we're called to. Each one of us are gifted differently. Each one of us are given certain loves of passions, and so therefore God is using that to move us into action to shape the world around us to do justice. I was invited to a um, benefit this last year for Covering House. Did you know that St. Louis is one of the top cities in human trafficking? That breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. And so I found out that one of our members actually goes to Covering House each and every week and cooks a meal for the girls that have been rescued from this trafficking and they're trying to be transformed back into the world. That's doing justice, to step in that gap, to be who God has called you to be in love. But it takes action, right? It takes more than just speaking about it. When we do justice, we're leading others toward God's extravagant love. In fact, that's our vision for Salem, connecting all people with God's extravagant love. Micah says, embrace faithful love. Embrace it. Love is one of the strongest principles in Christian leadership. However, you probably won't see it on a business plan, right? You won't, you won't probably see, well, my company is about love. You probably won't see that in a business plan, but in the Christian context, love is one of the strongest leadership principles we have. In a poll I read recently asking about what was most important in life to people, the relationship ranked higher than, in importance than any other thing, career or money, even more so by a ratio of 1 to 10, in fact. 10 to 1, I should say. Got the backwards. 10 to 1. And so, Just think about that for a moment. A successful marriage depends upon relationship. A happy home depends upon relationship. A prosperous business depends upon relationship. A united community, peaceful community, depends upon relationship. Every one of these things depends upon how we relate to another person. Embracing faithful love. This prophet Micah, he knew how important it was in this principle of leadership 
The term he uses here occurs frequently in, in, the, in his writings. He, he refers to this maybe three, four, five times. And in, in essence, it meant the sort of deep abiding covenant loyalty that can be seen, can be seen in one's actions. It was not just saying, I love you. It was not just professing love. It was stepping into it. Remember, it says, comes right after, do justice. Embrace faithful love. Leading is connecting people to people. Remember how the video showed us that new followers emulate followers, right? And then you have this crowd that just continues in. The momentum is there. And Jesus said, follow me. We're followers of Jesus Christ, and we're called to step into that and to call others to follow, to show people God's love, to show people forgiveness and grace. We're to step into that, church. We're to show people, not just say it. You know, those disciples that were those first followers, he said, follow me. This was Peter and, and Simon and Andrew, Peter and Andrew, and they follow. They drop their nets and they follow. He did not promise them it would be easy. He did not promise them that they would always succeed. He did promise them that they would be fishers of people. That they would be the ones that would invite others into this amazing grace and love. That's our call too. Love will take us far, very far in uncharted territory. When we're off the map, love will guide. That's our call in today's society. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we're called in the way of Christ. Remember how he said, abide in me as I abide in you. He commands us to love each other just as he has loved us. That is how we're the followers. How and who are you loving? If you're not loving, you're not leading. In fact, you're not living. Embrace faithful love. And then finally, one of the greatest principles in leadership to walk humbly with your God. The key word here is humbly. I think the best definition of leading with humility is frequently attributed to C.S. Lewis. However, I'm not really sure he said this originally. He did say it, but not, maybe not originally. He said, true humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Right? True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. In other words, it's not about me. It's about God's people. What can I do? How have you called me, God, to walk in your ways and invite others into your love and grace? It's not about me. However, Micah is talking about this special kind of humility. 
He's talking about the same kind of humility that Jesus is talking about when he says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. They shall inherit the earth. Jesus was not talking about being shy and timid, no. No, he is rather talking about people who are committed to serve, passionate to serve God, to serve God and to serve others, because that is what can impact the world today. That still is the same foundation. That is what can impact the world today. Walking humbly with your God puts our focus in on God's ways, and God always points to the other, right? Love your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus' words were always pointing us to the other. In fact, Paul writes here in the letter to Philippians, chapter 2, Therefore, if any... If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort in love, any sharing of the Spirit, any sympathy, complete my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, being united and agreeing with each other. Don't do anything for selfish purposes, but with humility think of others as better than yourselves. Instead of each person watching out for their own good, watch out for what is better for others. Adopt the attitude of Christ Jesus. The meekness or humility that Jesus, Paul, and Micah were talking about is the person who has surrendered his life, his or her life, completely to Christ. With whom? Are you walking? We have been freed to lead. Freed to leave by the grace of Jesus Christ. There was nothing that we have to do to work or earn for it. It's a free gift. We're free to lead because God knows that we are going to be in unchartered territory. And that we've got grace walking with us. Be encouraged, church, that leadership takes risk, that when you're out there dancing like a lone nut, right, that God is going to send followers. When you're asking people to step in and serve in a way that maybe they've never done before or to be passionate about something that they never even thought about. That's like that lone guy out there dancing. But the followers are going to come because Jesus said, follow me. And we're following when we step out and take those risks and lead.